Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, you frustrated by your current theme? Does it have an inflexible design? You feel like you're, you're butting up against the limitations of that theme? Does it feel slow? Turbo theme out of the sandbox is the solution to these woes. Turbo is a premium, fully loaded, online store 2.0 Shopify theme with a focus on visual storytelling. You don't want to lose potential customers to a poor user experience. That's the worst nightmare. We don't want that. Turbo theme will supercharge your online store with speed, flexibility, and advanced features. Turbo promises fast load times, flexible design, shoppable images, age gate functionality, and regular recurring premium updates. If you upgrade to Turbo Theme, you can watch your store's performance skyrocket. And Out of the Sandbox is trusted by high volume Shopify merchants and renowned for their excellent customer service. Out of the Sandbox stands behind their product with a 14 day satisfaction guarantee. So if you're not in love with Turbo, they're going to refund it. The choice is clear. Upgrade your store with Out of the Sandbox and Turbo today. Don't miss out on that opportunity to elevate your Shopify store's performance. Invest in Turbo. Don't let slow site speed hold your business back any longer. Go to outofthesandbox.com to see the demo, learn more, and license Turbo Theme for your store today. That's outofthesandbox.com. On today's show, we're diving deep into one man's odyssey from Shopify insider to e-commerce innovator. Our guest today is Daniel Patricio. He spent eight golden years at Shopify as a product lead before launching his own e-commerce store, Bull and Cleaver, only to then get hit by the iOS update. We're On this episode, we are talking conversion rates post iOS 14, the future of storefronts, and Daniel's insider tips for you. Get your notepads ready, my friends. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Jack Nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Well, I got a new cha-ching sound effect. That was like a little, little sharper, a little higher, a little a nice <laughs> musical quality to it. I like it. Uh, all right. I need just like the straight cha-ching sound that the Shopify app uses. I'm going to pull yeah. that out of the iOS app. <laughs> yeah. Use that. Uh, funny enough, my brother designed it. So no way. I have it. <laughs> somewhere in my email inbox, I think. What are the chances that I would bring that up while talking to someone who knows where it came from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got started with e-commerce by working at Shopify, and that was sounds like that was quite some time ago. Even prior to joining Shopify, my first company, I think I pitched Shopify on an app, and they had the first app contest. Um, that was the way back, way back. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Uh, Diving deep in uh, was about 10 years ago. Um, I came to Shopify in 2013 uh, when uh, I was part of a product design agency called Jet Cooper, and we were acquired by Shopify. Jet Co- I remember that, and I didn't know what Jet Cooper did. I just knew it sounded really cool. <laughs> it's a good, good place to start. I, I think um, back then there weren't a lot of people exclusively doing design, exclusively thinking about mobile um, and we were kind of a, an aqua hire. Uh, we didn't do too much e-commerce work, um, but I think we like doubled the number of designers in Shopify uh, when we joined that. So it was a it was a fun and interesting time to kind of bring the teams together and that kind of thing. Okay, so that's about ten years ago. That's you know, not long after 
I became a Shopify partner and probably just before we said, you know what, we're going all in on this and just doing this exclusively full time now. Um, it was, there was an exciting time, you know, cause it was so, you still had that like very, that startup culture um, and worth it, you know, move fast and break things, that kind of stuff. So tell me about those. Tell me about your, your first job at Shopify. What were you doing there? Uh, so the, the place I started was uh, on onboarding. So kind of setting the experience as soon as you signed up. Um, and uh, nobody had really ever looked at it before. Nobody had ever like thought about it before. And, uh, you know, Shopify was getting a, bu- a bunch more complicated at that time. Uh, I think Stripe, uh, the auto setup of payments just came up and we're like, okay, foot on the gas. Now you don't need to set up a payment gateway. Just like a nightmare for my first business. You know, you've got to put up 10 grand at the, uh, at the bank to get a, like a, a merchant account and, you know, they were automating that. So I forgot about how revolutionary Stripe was. Like today we take it for granted that like, oh, of course there is an internet payment processor that just works with everything and is easy versus, you know, a before then, it was, all right, fight your way through getting, you know, probably an authorized.net account. And now in this really stodgy web interface, like try and figure out your API keys and hope you set that thing up right so that you actually capture the payments and get notified about it. Ugh, it was such, such a pain. Stripe made life easier. And then- yeah, you have to be really motivated, <laughs> really motivated to start a store like uh, versus now. You know, it's you don't ever think about it, right? And you were there a while, and it was during this just incredible growth phase. How did things change? Because they they really would have added a huge number of people in that time, which just like by necessity, by organization, by culture, things are going to change. Yeah, I think there was somewhere around like sixty thousand customers when I joined, and um, uh, you know, two two million plus like when I left. So you know. Orders of Agja and even the company, I think uh, we were 300 in total uh, when I joined. Um, I was one of the first product managers and then we were like, you know, I don't know, 7,000 plus uh, when, when I left. Um, so it was, I think the weird part is like it never, it always felt crazy. <laughs> like doubling, I think is always a shock to your system. Like, you know, growth top line wise or and people wise, like, and just everything was always doubling. Um, so I think there was always new problems <laughs> and I think, I, I don't know that the, the later problems were any, uh, less complex, uh, than the kind of the early ones. There, there were different ones for sure. I think, uh, I think one of the, the best things ab- about Shopify is like, they really know who they are. Um, and, uh, you know, that doesn't always work for everyone, but they really know who they are and why they do things like the platform focus the like deep engineering focus, the focus on quality and, and, and building things. So you're, you're there on the inside on this, this rocket ship of a software business and you see how the sausage is made and yet you still during that time said, I should start my own e-commerce store. What, what possessed you? I think, I think it was, uh, uh, there was actually someone, um, his name's Tucker uh, and he was on the marketing team. And, um, I think he was in support, uh, and then he kind of joined the marketing team and basically he took a coffee drop. He was drop shipping coffee. And I think he was selling maple bacon coffee, which no one had done before. And he went very hard into the, the uh, bacon branding and it took off 
their sales blew off and I think he sold the company in like three months or something. Uh, and I was like, oh man, like I want to, I want to be like him. I want to learn from him. Um, there was also another guy, Mark, that sold silk flowers online. And like, I just looked up to these, these uh, two folks in the office and I'm like, I love what you've done, like to actually try and start something. And like, um, you know, they just had a deeper knowledge of the product and a deeper empathy, um, you know, because these are to look at uh, software as a bunch of buttons <laughs> and screens and like, oh, you know, how do we design this better? But like when you felt the pain, when you like you go again and you got to do five clicks to do something, you're like, why did you do this? Right. So I think there was a that was kind of the motivation on that side. Uh, and then when it came to kind of starting my own brand, um, I'd, uh, I grew up in South Africa and um, there's this like snack we have in South Africa called Biltong. Um, it's like beef jerky, but like way better. Uh, and I, uh, I couldn't really, nobody was really selling Biltong online. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting product. It's different, photographed beautifully. And so I was like, okay, let's try this. And uh, I mean, it was very humble beginnings to start. Like, I think uh, I literally threw up the store with stock photography and like I was doing some weird, testing some weird marketing strategies on Instagram. And I didn't even set up the payment gateway, I think, properly. Oh, um, and then... I was busy, right? I was, had a full-time job and uh, I think like just got married and my life was complicated. And then somebody messaged me and be like, hey, I tried to buy from your store, but it wasn't working. I'm like, okay, sick. <laughs> this is the signal. This is the signal I need that I'm actually going to finish the store and launch it. Um, so that was kind of the push. And then, yeah, there was a whole roller coaster from there. Um, but yeah. Yeah, having a stranger reach out to say, I'm trying to give you money and I can't. That's excellent validation. Like the friends and family, you're always suspicious. You don't know, like, are they just being nice? Are they being supportive? Um, versus like for a total stranger to go through the effort, like, okay, there's something here. There's at least one person willing to pay for this. So if there's one, certainly there's 10 that tried and we didn't hear from them. I'm looking at the store now, Bull and Cleaver. Here it is. Phenomenal content, but incredibly simple, straightforward theme. No goofball widgets and apps and things like popping out, flying everywhere. I like this store. How much branding? How much effort? Like what? How do we feel about this now? Um, I mean, it, it's got another year. Uh, like it's been a year since I've done some some sharp polishing on it. But but I think I am overall quite quite proud with it. Like I think I don't think I've ever paid for a theme. Like I've always used. Um, I think Dawn is what this one's based on, and and that thing. I think you know. I think uh, something I, I learned when I was on uh, on the onboarding team and we were running a lot of experience with themes is like people don't even know what they're looking for in a theme. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, are you trying to figure out the top? The, the, do you like the banner? Do you like the collection page? Do you like the colors, the fonts, right? the photography and the default theme? Like I, I've learned that like people don't even know what a theme is meant to be. And, you know, my kind of mindset is always like the theme doesn't, matter like there's a good fat you could pick a better foundation but like you know realistically you can make anything beautiful you can make anything fast and functional i think people sometimes get excited if they need to find the perfect theme they need to add all the apps <laughs> and then you end up with a store that's like super slow uh you know it's bogged down it becomes quite messy um so yeah i, I i'm pr definitely proud of what we kind of got there i think i always um while I was at Shopify, I was always, um, you know, the, a little bit of an abandoned child. Like I, 
I grew at the store very quickly um, in the in in like kind of the first year. I wish I'd just given someone a pile of money and said, "Go buy all the ads." I didn't realize how good it was when I when I started and how good ads were. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I grew quickly, and then they're like, "Oh, you should work on marketing stuff at Shopify." And then my life got complicated, and I became a lead and had huge teams and those kind of things. So the store was on autopilot, I think. And then um, when I left Shopify, I went all in on it. Um, and now that I'm, I'm building the next company, it's unfortunately not investing as much time as I'd like into growing it. But uh, yeah, I'm very proud of the building blocks we have there and very intentional about how we built it. And um, you know, I think it's really just about like sticking to the simplicity of things and like put, do, do good photography, do it really well, keep the, keep the theme very fast know who you are, know what the branding is. Like, you know, uh, there's a lot of subtleties there that, that really make the difference. I hope, I hope people take that to heart. Someone who worked at Shopify, knew that platform, you know, inside and out, built a, a great looking and su- successful store and did it using the free default Dawn theme combined with great content less worry about all the you know my tech stack the features and i have to have this and that it's you know the the table stakes are the content the product and the product market fit so what what made you want to leave and go full-time on this uh i mean i think um i think especially if you're early in at shopify like there was uh we were always very proud like in canada there's not that many shopify's um, you know, uh, historically and, uh, and that sort of thing. And, uh, there weren't a lot of companies to kind of look up to. And when we started to success and when we joined, like, I think there was a big emphasis from everyone internally that like, Hey, like, I hope you don't all, you know, retire on a, on a, on an Island and drink coconuts all day. Like, you know, this, you've learned something hopefully at this company, you know, you've got a bit of, um, uh, you know, a little bit of fuel in the engine. Uh, career-wise, like, please go and do something, <laughs> right? You know, Toby is, especially if you've spent time at Shopify, I think he's excited to see you leave, um, especially if you're building something, right? Like, if it's not the right time for you, um, you know, you don't want to just sit there for the sake of being there of like, oh, we need to keep someone there because they've always been there. And even if you're very valuable, I think it's like, it's a compliment to the history you've had there to go and build something. So I think for me, um, uh, you know, the things I love, like I love working with merchants. I just think, uh, you know, pretty much every person in my family is an entrepreneur. I'm almost the, the only person in my family that has like had a job. Um, uh, so it's, uh, Shopify was a natural place for me in that way. Uh, but like, I always wanted to kind of start something and, uh, I love working with merchants, love making, uh, that work. I love the complexity of the platform and the building blocks. So, uh, and that was what I loved doing at Shopify is like teaching people how the system worked, why this was built in this way, what are merchants thinking about, what are they kind of doing? Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it was just kind of time where, uh, you know, as a lead, you do a lot of coaching, right? And, and, and teaching and you know, telling the stories and, you know, pointing all the ducks in, in the right row. Um, but I, I kind of just wanted to build, um, build again, uh, and build something from scratch and like challenge myself, um, do something very hard that I didn't didn't know all the answers on. I think, you know, making the leap to running a store was definitely a leap. Say, so, okay, cool, I'm going to pay my bills with this. Uh, and uh, it's my sole point of, of, of failure and success. Um, that was definitely a leap. 
Ooh, inaccurate tracking. It's a silent profit killer. Every misdirected ad campaign, every misunderstood customer behavior, it's all money down the drain. But there's a fix. Elevar. It's your comprehensive tool to track and optimize all your conversions, making sure your marketing efforts aren't wasted. With Elevar, you get server-side tracking, boosted Klaviyo flow performance, and boosted meta performance. That's better data, more accurate targeting, and ultimately, more conversions. Join the ranks of over 6,500 successful D2C brands like Glossier, Viore, and Magic Spoon. They've all turbocharged their conversion tracking with Elevar. Data-driven decision-making requires solid data and insights. Don't let your competitors get ahead because you're stuck with insufficient data. Invest in Elevar now and make every marketing dollar count. Their plans start at $0 a month, and all plans include a 15-day free trial. Go to getelevar.com to get started. E-L-E-V-A-R, Elevar. When you made that chain and you go from Shopify employee to full-time Shopify store owner, what do you think, what's the big lesson in that transition? You chain, you went, same, similar job, different sides of the table. You know, a lot of the conversations I have are about the fun technical stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, we would spend all day thinking about like, you know, the sections you can use in a theme and what is the perfect, spent literally 100% of my time thinking about very nerdy, very technical problems uh, that, uh, uh, you know, everyone asked as soon as I want to start, what's the perfect theme? What app should I be? And then I think I quickly learned like that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> um, like, and if anything, it was a distraction for me as like an early stage uh, uh, store owner. But you know what I mean? Like the things you have to get very good at are like, what do your email, like what do your funnels look like, right? Like how's the emails looking? Like how is the ad creative for, uh, uh, rocking? Like what, do you have an angle? Do, like, do you know where you're going for that? Are you writing a blog post this week? And it just like, um, it was a very different operational model. And I think I... Uh, I think I got a lot of respect uh, for, for like D2C operators and like um, a lot of the people I've been following on Twitter for quite a while. I'm just like, oh man, this is what it really looks like to kind of do that. Because like the tech is a, frankly a distraction. I mean, you know, kudos to Shopify for their history. They made it so that you don't have to be technical and you shouldn't be. Uh, you know, you don't need to know about the things that people inside Shopify nerd out about. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that was the biggest shock. Um, I think I was always quite balanced in that way i'm i'm like uh not a tech for tech's sake person and i care about the the bottom line the impact a lot but i had to like um you know uh walk the talk of myself because uh you know um yeah it, it, that stuff didn't really matter um you, you know. had that you had that techie geeky that engineering mindset right and then you go into running a store where all the same tools, except now knowing how they work becomes much less important. Yeah. And instead, it's about, you know, I don't need to know how my paint is formulated. I need to be able to pick up the paintbrush and paint. Yeah. And so you have to like do the work and have that creative output and it has to serve a business. It has to serve this, this profit motive. Really very different kind of thinking. Sounds like it was a, a challenge to adapt to it, but certainly you did. What were... What were some of those road bumps when you went full-time and started scaling Bull and Cleaver here? The the biggest ones were like, oh, I haven't looked at my, I haven't been watching my margins, <laughs> you, uh -oh. know, um, you know, and it's meat, it's a meat product. So there's meat prices and I'm like, oh, I, I haven't, 
we I had a couple of people helping me in the business and uh, you know, we were like, oh, let's add an extra skew, like, oh, let's keep the price where they are. And then you go and you like when it's you know, it's fine if you got a day job and you're like, oh, this is my little experiment. But then you're like, okay, I gotta pay my bills with this. It's like you start really digging into the financials and really understanding it. And like, you gotta be careful with how many SKUs you're adding. Cause like adding SKUs seems like a good idea at the time. And then uh, there's more space in the warehouse. There's more, um, more products. You gotta restock across more things. So I think like I got slapped in the face with a lot of that um, kind of very early on. And then I think the, uh, the blessing and curse was we started growing very quickly. And then it was like, how on earth do you forecast, right? Like, because, you know, product I still takes, don't know. Uh, yeah, so I still don't think I figured that out. <laughs> um, I think it was like four or six weeks, like lead time for us. And then you're like, and we're going to double next month. So like, we've got to double our order now. And like, how are we going to do it? So I think that whole side was, um, uh, I think it, when I was looking to do a full-time, completely changed the game. And it was all, I felt like a child again. I'm like, okay, I need to like, learn this whole thing um so i think and then we had to like change our warehouses and just a lot of um operational work because i think again the best d2c operators i think are excellent operational people and excellent marketers right like um and i think those are two things i i realized i was inexperienced in uh, and then i think on the growth side i think i started in like september or october i'm kind of going full gas on the store and then like the ios stuff happened um, and that was like a complete shock. Cause I'm like, I'm barely figuring out ads. And then we like, you know, kind of got, everything was thrown out and we're like, Oh, nobody knows how ads works anymore. Right. Like everything just looks crazy. And you're like, you're not sure how and why it's working. So, um, you know, I had, um, my partner was kind of doing a lot of the, the hands-on marketing stuff. And I was like, okay, let me start digging into the store. Let me start digging into conversion rates. Like, let me start digging into offers. I need to find a way of us creating leverage so we can keep scaling the ads and that kind of thing. Um, so that was the the big one, I think, for us. And so it sounds like your your traffic, your qualified visitors, the people who are going to buy your top of funnel strategy was Instagram, was, was meta ads? Yeah. Back before it became meta? Yeah, yeah, before it was meta, yeah. So we were, that was like the playbook I used to start. Um, and I think actually... For many years, Google Shopping killed it for us. Um, it was really great. It's where I got a lot of our first sales. Uh, I, I did the Shopify course on, on Google Shopping because I thought I knew it. And then um, we we ended up getting a couple of competitors that were selling in Walmart and Amazon. And it just decimated Google Shopping as an opportunity, like cost went through the roof. So we've always had a lot of success with uh, the meta ads. I, I think for two reasons. Initially, it was... Um, it's very easy to target people that have lived lived in or visited South Africa. So that was always like a layer to the cake for us of customers to get. That also went out the window <laughs> with, uh, you know, the iOS changes. So we were actually had a bit of heat on us. We were like, okay, we can't just keep selling to South Africa. There's not that many in America either. Um, so we were like, okay, how on earth do we sell this to, you know, uh, someone in America that's never been to South Africa and, the biltong sounds like, you know, eating some strange part of an animal that you've never heard of. Uh, so that was the big, uh, I think, challenge for us there. Seeing it written out, it's spelled biltong, B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Hearing you pronounce it, it sounds like biltong. 
yeah. to me. <laughs> Doesn't help. Like yeah. when you say it quickly. Yeah. And so I, I wonder if, uh, I mean, do Americans think it's like that that's what they're getting bull tongue jerky, which you could totally do. I mean, tongue, you need tongue. Yeah, it's nothing, uh, nothing wrong. I, I grew up in a Portuguese household that, that loved tongue. My mom gave it to me as a kid. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, but yeah, I think it was a big part of um, the confusion. So it was a big, a big angle we needed to kind of think around. I mean, I, I A-B tested a lot between biltong and just calling it beef jerky or something like that. And I think um, it was never completely conclusive. Um, and I think it actually, um, it weakened calling it beef because there's a pretty strong dichotomy. Um, like South Africans get very offended if you call biltong beef jerky. So that was one problem. But I thought um, the bigger challenge we wanted to take on is like, how can I, hopefully people will learn about biltong because we had a big competitor that raised a whack load of money. Um, and they were spending a lot of money on educating the average show American about uh, Biltong. So I was like, okay, let's try and ride that wave. And in all of our marketing, we're like, how can we get people to think about this as a healthy, healthier jerky, but learn about Biltong as a category? So it was one of those hard choices. I, I, I think I still have debates with people these days. They're like, oh, should you just call it, you know, beef jerky and that kind of thing. In your experience, what do you think are some of the the key tips here for a store that really sells. Like I'm hearing, hey, less tech stack, more content, more story specifically. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then within that, you're really experimenting with how you position and explain the product and then how you're targeting it, which kind of came out of necessity with iOS, uh, with that iOS update that really, really hampered a lot of sales. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like my, my methodology is kind of like, it's one of, I've been using kind of forever. Um, I, I think I, I kind of learned this uh, in my onboarding days at Shopify. Like all my biggest onboarding was very simple at Shopify in a way. I, I think in any in any like consistency through the funnel is how you make more money, right? A like, consistency of the experience, right? So you know, in the early one of the biggest things I worked on at, at Shopify was when we were acquiring a lot of customers on Facebook. We were like, hey, let's tell them you can sell on Facebook when you're on Facebook. And then uh, we were like, oh, let's actually create a landing page that talks about Facebook. Oh, great. Okay, that'll increase conversion rate. And then like in Shopify, we're like, oh, this increased conversion rate. So um, my playbook when it came to my own brand was kind of the same in a way. So what I used to do early on, because I, I, I didn't know how I could convince people to try builds on. Um, so what I would do is I'd run like 10 different ads um, with like same image and like trying different copy and different angles. Uh, and you know, it's not just like, random word generation, like, you know, 10, probably like, let's try something different. Let's call it like this. You'll never eat beef jerky again. Like let's be aggressive against beef jerky or, you know, uh, you know, this is South Africa's gift to the world or something like, let's go at South African angle and like build some curiosity. So like try different things that you can learn from the different experiences. And then I would, I don't even think I got purchases in the beginning because I was like, I was barely spending any money and like whatever. But I would see which ones had the highest click-through rates. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this one's working. Okay, I don't have enough data, but like, let me change the whole website. <laughs> so like, we'd rewrite my whole funnel to be like, let's try this copy, like, and let's see what happens. And then it would click. And then you'd be like, oh, interesting. Okay, cool. How can we go deeper on that? So, you know, that's kind of what I did at all phases. And I think, um, you know, the big breakthrough for us was um, to selling to the American audiences, like, 
uh, I think I had a friend. She she'd never tried the product over ten years, and she was a foodie, and she's like, "Oh, Dan, I have to finally try your stuff." And then like I sent her like a whole bunch of bags, and she's like, "Very interesting. I actually didn't expect it to be so different in between all your different flavors." I didn't know which one I wanted. I don't know if I wanted grass-fed or chilies or we got this thing called dravos, which is like a dravos, which is like a, it looks like a pepperette kind of thing. She's like, I had no clue what any of these things were. Thank you for sending me a bag of everything. I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, oh, maybe we should play around with a taster pack. Like removing that friction of like, which thing do I try and that kind of thing. So we were like, okay, cool. Let's create this product and, and like kind of tackle it. And then that started to work. And then we just like, from our ads to our landing pages to our product pages to our even our pop-up on the site, we're just like, this is the thing. <laughs> we want people to try a taster pack and then they're going to pick something they like and they'll order again and maybe we have some subscription. That is the journey. And so we just like went through every step. Like, how can we make that obvious on the landing page? How can we make that obvious in the ads? How can we make that obvious everywhere? And I think just even, again, a little hack that I took from kind of my Shopify experience is like we took a screen cap of the um of the ad uh and we put it on the landing page in the in the banner of the landing page and i saw a huge lift in that because just people are like i think we have to recognize like people are lost and bewildered <laughs> when they on your website right they're like i clicked on this ad like what is this am i in the right place and i think just like giving people that comfort of like hey this is that thing that's better than beef jerky that you saw um, yes, it's called Biltong, but like you're in the right place. That same ad that like caught your attention, like you're in the right place. It's okay, right? And you just got to kind of keep like yeah. bringing the consistency of messaging is like a very, I think it's like a safety thing for people too. No, I like I like the phrase safety. I often refer to the the safety net. Like there there's some things that you want that seem either pointless or obvious to you as the brand owner because you spend more time on that site than literally anyone else on the planet. And this will always be true. So you like, you have to get out of your own head and just accept that it is not obvious to the person who has spent maybe three seconds looking at this site after being interrupted, scrolling through whatever by an ad. And so like, it really has to have that consistency. I'm glad you, you brought that up based on the timeline here and what you're saying. I am guessing you left Shopify, go all in on, on, and cleaver and then just get slammed by that ios update how did that go for you <laughs> uh yeah it was um uh oh i think it was a, it was a big challenge right like I, I had to i mean i think um there was actually an interesting curve in the story i think you know when i first came in i'm like oh my gosh i need to focus on ops i need to focus on warehousing i need to focus on the mod i need to focus on like figuring out marketing again. And, you know, we double, tripled and whatever. But I think um, the funny thing was like um, a couple months in when we kind of had the breakthrough um, of actually acquiring Americans cheaper than South Africans uh, through all this stuff was I did that. That breakthrough was me leaning in back into my strength a little bit. Because um, like we orchestrated, we did a whole bunch of experiments on the text, like on the landing pages uh, and like, uh, and we built the landing pages in Shopify sections so we could like test something and then bring it from the landing page back there. And I started building a bunch of, uh, we were doing a lot of promotions and I started reading, uh, like detecting a lot of friction in how we were doing that. So I built a prototype um, for what became Abra. And like that was what was making the business successful. 
So I think I, I kind of came to a realization. It was a bit of a journey of like, you know, you've done something for like eight to 10 years and you're like, do I do the same thing for the rest of my career? Let me try something different. You learn your magic a little bit. It's like, oh, it turns out like it's rare <laughs> to know how to pull these levers in Shopify um, in this way. And it, and it made a thing that started making, making our business really click. Uh, but I think I also started getting the itch of like, you know, I was like showing off the stuff I was quite proud of that was kind of giving a solution. People were like, how on earth did you do that? Like, why are you doing that in, in that way? Like, why aren't you using just like the hipster landing page tool of the moment right now? And like, you know, how are you making this thing happen? And so I had a lot of friends that I was getting to know on the merchant side that were saying like, Dan, just so you know, that's like, nobody has that. Nobody can do that. And I'm like, ah, okay, maybe I'm, I'm coming back to my roots a little bit. So I think that's where it kind of came. The holidays are here. Zit, don't get scared now. First comes Halloween, then Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Boxing Day, New Year's, and Great Scott, how will we ever keep up? Easy, use Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages, it's a landing page builder created by the founder of a $180 million Shopify store. It has everything you need to launch your next promotion more quickly and for a lot more profit. With their library of proven templates, you could build a high-performing holiday funnel in just a few clicks, from Black Friday to New Year's and everything in between. And because every template is tested first on their nine-figure Shopify store, you know they actually work. Plus, you can use Zipify pages to optimize your product pages, blog pages, and even your homepage so your store's ready to convert more of that holiday traffic. So if you want to have your most profitable and stress-free holiday season ever, then go to Zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T to start your 14-day free trial today. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the holiday bonus. You have a SaaS business that you've started post, after leaving Shopify, after Bull and Cleaver. Now you have a new thing. You're back to software. Tell me about Abra. What the heck is this? Yeah. So I think Abra kind of came from this place of, you know, we had the site um, and I worked so hard to build one version of it um, and, uh, you know, took a lot of time and a lot of energy and expertise. And then, you know, we were trying a new promotion. We were like, okay, cool. Uh, let's uh, like, let's. We got spicy products we want to push right now. Like, we want to upsell those, and those are working real on retention side. And like, you know, we'd give the person the discounts, and like, they just wouldn't use it. And we're like, oh, well, that's annoying. And it's because you know, you give someone a code, and they're like, oh, you're gonna memorize it and like put it in checkout. So we were having a problem kind of changing our site. Um, and, you know, I'd kind of uh, said to one of my developer buddies, I was just like, this is so silly that, like, I can't change my store to, like, make a promotion. Um, and so we kind of built a prototype uh, in our store where, um, you know, we were promoting Ross that built on. We, like, just subtly changed the site. Uh, we updated the prices to actually have that. We, like, did a pop-up and we followed the customer through the experience. And it, like, it doubled our conversion rate um on our email campaign from like 10 percent absolute click to conversion ratio to like 20 to 25 
Um, and I'm like, oh, cool. And then I like showed it to a bunch of friends at Shopify, what we'd hacked in our store. I showed a bunch of like friends. And you know, I was interested, like, I don't know why no one's ever done this. Like, this is, this is very strange. Um, and so I think that is kind of the genesis um, of Abra. And, and the real, the simple part of it is like, we think simple personal, like personalization is way too complicated. But if more people could change their site and personalize it, they'd be able to increase conversion. So, um, you know, kind of tested with 30 people. They all saw great results. That we saw people like increasing the conversion rates by 25%, reducing their ad spend by like 25 to 40% if they were using discounts on those ads, which is like a huge material impact, um, you know, on your contribution margin and those kind of things. And, um, and then on the technical side, I was like, ooh, like, I think I had like a, at some point in Shopify, I had a pitch of like, I know a theme is just a lump of HTML, but wouldn't it be cool if when I launch a promotion, my site could just adjust to it. Uh, that'd be amazing for my customers. I would get so many more sales. Everyone's like, oh, cool idea, but we need this, and then we need this, and then we need this, and this, this, this. It'll be 10 years <laughs> till we get there, you know? And uh, so I guess one of the fun parts of, of kind of being outside of the ecosystem is that I can break the rules. I can, I can just build it. Um, so, yeah. This is, it, no, it, it's a great idea. It's a great use case because this is a thing that I've, uh, been dealing with recently that drives me a little crazy is you run a promotion and no matter how you promote that promotion promote that promotion yeah. no matter how you hype it when they land on the site what pricing do they see and when do they see the discount so i get an email says hey 40 percent off store wide all weekend cool i click through because it's using a discount code it's using a script it's using shopify functions however i'm applying that discount no one is seeing it until at least the cart or the checkout. They're not seeing it on the homepage collection or product page. And so they're looking at that full price until they get to checkout. And then maybe even they have to apply the coupon code themselves. But what your app is doing is I see the discount immediately and throughout. And what kind of conversion lift are we thinking this is worth? I think, uh, I mean, again, we, we see, uh, you know, matters on the offer, like the important dynamics we actually find is like, uh, how big is someone's cart, right? So I think, you know, the one thing is you can build a landing page, you can auto apply a discount on a landing page. But, you know, if someone wants to add more things, if they're adding five things, if they're adding 10 things to the cart, if you want to increase your average order size, it's actually very, very, very important that the discount is actually applied there. So I think, you know, that's where we, we've been absolutely killing it. I think anyone in like beauty, food and bev, even apparel where you've kind of got this like bundling in the carts of, 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 uh, that you want, like, you know, we see any, like depends on the brand, but you know, anywhere between 25 and 200%. Um, it, it's kind of just simple user experience, right? Like it's, there's no like secret, like how, how is this work? Yeah, it's just simple, right? Like if your mom was shopping on your site and you are saying to her, hey mom, I love you. Here you go. You get this special deal only for you as a VIP. And she, you give her that code and she's going to remember it and check out. Like she's not going to buy, right? Whereas if she goes on the site and be like, hey, welcome. You're getting the, the VIP discount just by clicking on the link and the price are there. That person's going to buy, you know? Yeah, it's just, it is a streamlined and sensible experience that way. And it eliminates the breakage. Like there, that always drives customer support people nuts in bigger Shopify businesses where you're like, you've got this order volume coming through, they do a sale and then guaranteed you're going to get a whole bunch of emails. They're like, oh, I bought all my items, but 
and then I actually get the discount. <laughs> so can you fix that? Like, Ugh. You know, and it's not it's not tough. You do a partial refund, but it's also not ideal. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's a we saw the same thing. We actually had a customer, one of our earliest customers. He was whenever he did a promotion in his email, he had a whole section at the bottom. It was like, here is how you use this discount. <laughs> you go into this part of Shopify, you click apply checkout. So, so well, we have to like literally it increases conversion by teaching them. That's why you had to add it there, right? Because and so on mobile. In the Shopify checkout, the order summary is collapsed by default, and the discount code input is inside the order summary. And so you get people who are like, hey, I bought or tried to buy, but I straight up could not find where the discount code goes. And that's why. And so just eliminating that speed bump entirely, well, of course that's going to be worth a conversion rate bump. No, this makes, it, it tracks, it makes total sense. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, the part that excites me the most is, you know, I'm not like a, Hey, everyone, isn't it exciting? Can give away more of your margin? Like, <laughs> that's not the part that, uh, uh, no, I'm not a discounting uh, zealot. Um, I think the, I think the problem is there's this lack. It, it's hard to run, do things the smart way with discounts today, right? Like, the easy way is you give everyone <laughs> 20% off and then your margin's gone. Um, I was uh, chatting with someone um, the other day. Her name's uh, Jess Chan. She's from an email address called Longclair. Um, and she has like a data science background and she's super smart about this stuff. She's like, there's like six different offers you should be running for like your six different cohorts of customers. Um, you know, and that's what I've seen that's works. And she's like, great. She's like, the problem is like merchants have nowhere to execute that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't out of the box in Shopify, you can't run six different pricing offers to like six different customers. Right. So that's, I find, you know, the evolution of Abra has been like, okay, cool. People have this problem with discounts. Like they want to order a pipe. Okay, great. But then the interesting thing was like, oh, wait, like I can gate who gets that. That's interesting. But now I can run six offers. I can run 10 offers concurrently. I can run, you know, five different ones on, on, on Meta. I can use my retention campaigns. I can do something. My logged in users. So like, I think the, the part that's exciting me about what we're building right now is like we have any way of customizing the whole store at scale, right? Um, those are the merchants that excite us. Like they're doing, they're using us for all of their offers across their whole business. They're using us in their retargeting ads and their, their, their new stuff. So, you know, that's the, the very exciting stuff to me. Uh, so it's about, um, you can get far smarter. It's hard to be smart today unless you're using a tool like Abra, I think, to do discounts. You have to do the generic stuff. You have to give away all your contribution margin. Whereas, I am very lucky that the customers we get to work with are telling me strategies that I don't see the average Joe trying, right? They're just like, oh, I've got one off. I give everyone 10% off in their welcome email and that's it. You know, and I'm like, why? Like, I don't know how to do it. It's not technically possible to do anything more sophisticated or more nuanced. You know, in your marketing textbook, you've got this lovely strategy that you could do in theory, but like in the tech today, it's super hard. So I think that's the the part that like really energizes us. And you mentioned the the tech today, and you have this wealth of experience. I I want you to look at the crystal ball here. Make yeah. some make some. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to hold you to these. Like <laughs> five years, we're going to be like, I can't believe how wrong that guy was. Yeah. Where do you think either? Where do you think Shopify is heading in the next few years, or or what do you think the next big thing is for online stores? 
Yeah. So I think um, with online stores, like, you know, I think back to when I joined Shopify and it's, it's kind of horrifying. It's like, I'm almost shocked, shocked by it was successful when I look how bad the online store was when I first joined. Um, you know, when you, when you join like Shopify themes, like now you've got the online store editor and you know, it'd be better in this way and this way and this way. But like in 2013, you just had a, a sidebar with a bunch of settings and you had your theme. And if you wanted to actually change things, you actually had to code it. And it was just, again, I always think about this, like, you know, the old mental model of online stores, like it's just this lump of, of uh, HTML, right? And now I think the, there's, I'm very excited. I, I've seen some of your stuff too around like meta fields, online, like on the source sections. And like, those things sound so nerdy. So it's almost hard for people to realize how powerful they are and like meta objects and that kind of stuff. But like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this big lump has become this little modular pieces, right? And this yes. dynamic kind of flowing thing. Like it's, it's actually a real thing now. It's kind of mind blowing. So if I look at the spectrum, there was this lump. Now there's all these pieces and, I think some of the stuff that excites me um, that I hear from like from the the recent editions was like personalization, like, you know, the priceless and having these dynamic experiences. So it's like, I think um, where Storefront's going to be, they're going to be far more programmable um, and they're going to be able to be dynamic and they're going to be able to be able to change uh, and they're going to be able to like, uh, like tweak things at scale. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I mean... It might hurt me and maybe I, I can get some free clicks about like, you know, the perfect AI future of like, oh, you have these components and the AI is going to pick what someone sees. Uh, maybe eventually, but there's also a lot of very smart people I know that have great visions for what they could do for a customer and that's not possible. So I think like I'm very excited by the future where it becomes more dynamic and more modular and like, you know, you can just think about your... I mean, <laughs> this may not be as sexy a vision as it is to me, but like you could set, uh, think about your store as this like, you know, um, this bunch of components that's like going to be dynamically put together for each person on the fly and, and that kind of thing. Just keep getting faster and doing that. The thing that's been possible in the past, but not fast. And I think when Shopify does it, it will get faster and it will get great. So that's the kind of stuff that really excites me. So you can be nimble and you can be, uh, fast and you can kind of do this dynamic experience. That's the stuff that because it, it's going to make everyone more, it's a bit of shopping experience, going to make people more money. That's why we're going to get there, right? Like, so yeah. I agree with you. And I, it is, it, it, it seems technical. It is technical, but it, it's really not hard once you've done it once. Once, like, you've, you know, followed, you fumbled your way through, you know, a screencast tutorial once and now, okay, you could get through it, you could do it, you could mess with meta fields. Um, and it's just, you know, having that much fancier, modular, uh, true content management system where style and substance have been separated, op not only makes life easier to manage the store, but you're right, it opens up a lot more possibilities down the road for generating dynamic uh, content on the fly, for making personalized experiences based on, say, where someone came from. You know, how did they get to that store? What was the refer? That is where we get interesting. I want to know... Uh, Tell me, where can we find out more? Where do I get uh, where do I get Bill Tong? Where do I sign up for Abra? What am I doing here? Tell me where to spend my money with you. <laughs> Tell me spend your money. Yeah, if uh, if you want to try Bill Tong and see if it's better than beef jerky, you can go to bullandcleaver.com. Um, and yeah, if, if any of the stuff on the promotions or if there's 
new and interesting problems that I don't know about. I'm a I'm a I'm still a product person at heart, so I love when people have interesting problems that we can kind of solve. Um, yeah, you can find Abra uh, as Abra Promotions dot uh, com or Abra uh, on the App Store, and uh, or you can find me on Twitter, Daniel Patricio. Just reach out to me, and yeah, I'm down to down to help. Daniel, thank you so much. This has been been fantastic and illuminating. I appreciate it. Yeah, been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, I need a better one. <laughs> the unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. You want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.